Welcome to Dharma If You Dare. I'm Christopher Lawley, Planet Dharma team member and producer of the podcast. In order to truly understand what drives our unconscious behavior, we have to understand the core fears of the ego. If we don't, we are doomed to repeat behavior that we may even realize is unwholesome as we are impacted by the invisible hand of these forces. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you'll know that one of Planet Dharma's specialties is working with people to integrate the shadow aspects of their psyches. This has certainly been one of the most transformative and liberating aspects of my work with Doug Capel Duncan and Catherine Poisserat Sensei. It is challenging work, but once we engage with it, I have found it frees up tremendous amounts of energy, reduces the number of things that can trigger us, and quite literally leads to a feeling of being lighter. In today's talk, based on the section of their book Wasteland to Pureland entitled The Pearl Without Price, Doug and Catherine explain the four deep ego fears and why they hold so much power over us. You can learn more about the four deep ego fears and other topics by checking out Doug and Catherine's best-selling book Wasteland to Pureland, Reflections on the Path to Awakening. Visit planetdharma.com slash purelandchapter to receive a free copy of the reflection entitled Protecting Against Hurt Is What Hurts. And now here's today's recording. Okay, so this awakening or this liberation or this epiphany or this good state, by the way, has been called in Buddhism is called the great healing. If you think of healing in terms of doctors, now, you may not have a good idea about doctors anymore. We don't have a good idea about anything anymore. But let's just say doctors are good. So you have this kind of healing idea, this healing motif. Well, the thing about a doctor is what he's mostly doing is dealing with the pathology, right? In order to be a good doctor, you got to know what the disease is and you got to know what the cure is. So one of the ways to be able to bring ourselves more and more fully into epiphanies, into jhanas, into blissful states, into radiant states that we all want and be able to do it for ourselves at any given moment in time, under any conditions, for any reason, is we have to understand what's getting in the way. What's the pathology? And so we call this pathology the four deep ego fears, which are, of course, in the book, page 36. And so I'm going to talk about the first one, which is that fear of abandonment. And that goes right back to mum. But it's not just mum, it's not just in the mother, it's abandonment in the sense of the ego in relationship to its whole world. Mum, you mean that the baby fears being abandoned by by the mother. mother. Yeah. So the insubstantiality of the ego, which is a construct that develops around two years of age, is always tenuous and always insecure. It can't not be insecure because the ego sees itself as separate from everything else. And so The ego can never feel secure, really. It can hide it, but it can't feel secure. So this feeling of being abandoned by the universe is huge. And we then, therefore, try to substitute in things to hide that fear. Relationships, career, work, friends, entertainment, drugs, whatever. If this guy doesn't work, we'll substitute in this guy. Or if that woman doesn't work, I'll substitute in this woman. That job. Or a job or whatever. We just keep trying to put things in to fill the hole. Objects. Yeah feel that insecurity in the same process that the ego is trying to feel secure it's trying to feel fixed stable me just me 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 right i'm stable and fixed so therefore i have to make everybody around me the same richard has to be fixed and karen has to be fixed so i'm busy fixing you as i'm busy fixing me 
And so this is how we get caught in these habitual relationships. You always show up as you, I always show up at me, we feel secure. But nobody ever feels secure in depth because it's all impermanent. People come, people go, states change. We fear abandonment because we've evolved as intelligent beings through social interaction. We are human because we're social. So if we're abandoned, we also are abandoning our, our humanness. We kind of fear of reverting to apes or monkeys yeah, or, or something. So we've evolved as intelligent creatures because of non-abandonment, of interaction. So we're terrified of abandonment. We're terrified of being exiled or rejected. That's abandonment true. equals death or lack of evolution. So it's not just my mother abandoned me. I'm afraid that the universe is going to abandon me because the ego is abandonment of the universe in order to be itself. Now, the wonderful thing about it is the human being has the potential, has the power to transcend its own formation as me. You can do it. Anybody can do it. It's not hard, but you got to want to do it. That's hard. And you don't want to do it because you don't believe it. You don't trust in it. <laughs> We're back to trust. Right. And the vision and the training yeah. as well. But there are three more. What's another one? Okay. So these are, again, the four deep ego fears. So these are universal. And most of our fears, well, I guess all of our fears can be traced to one of these four. So the second is the fear of annihilation. So this is a fancy word of death or a metaphorical death, like disappearing. And the ego is afraid that it will disappear. So the ego is generally always on some way or another saying, look at me. Even if it's kind of hiding, it's like hiding so that people will seek it out. And this is why, for example, we have such a deep fear of being brainwashed and cults because we have this fear that that means that I'm gone and I guess I'm running on autopilot. But that would include what being taken advantage of and used and all that stuff. All that stuff, yeah. And this is why guru yoga can be so challenging because it's my ego versus my guru's ego. And the ego by its nature feels like it needs to predominate. And that if it doesn't, then it's losing and it's disappearing. It's annihilated. Or it feels like it's being annihilated. But right. you can't really annihilate your ego. Even if you submitted or surrendered everything I said and did, there would still be a decision maker choosing to do that for whatever reason. So the only place you lose your ego is in a mental hospital where you're just gone. But if you're walking around normal, your ego's fine. Well, mostly fine. <laughs> Little neurotic, but there you go. And this shows up in really funny ways. When I was a teenager into my 20s, I used to go and get my haircut at like art schools and stuff and get these really funky haircuts. And then I didn't get my haircut for, I don't know, 15 years or something. Went back and I was like, yeah, I want a, you know, kind of neat artsy hairdo. And the hairdos were always boring. I was like, this is really weird. And so I'd amp up my ask, you know, do something really creative. And I'd get this really boring haircut. So now almost every haircut I have, I have these conversations with the hairdresser and they're like, no way, can't do it. Too many people freak out afterwards. They're like, you know, if somebody bursts into tears in your hair salon afterwards, you've got a real problem. So that would be like fixed my self-image. I think I want a different self-image, but when that other self-image comes, I'm actually in a state of crisis. Okay, so, I mean, the hairdo story is kind of funny, but in fact, it 
betrays a kind of terror. And if hairdos are not your terror, then you probably have another area that is. So just think of that. And <laughs> so we try to distract ourselves from this terror, basically with bread and circuses, with entertainment or distractions. Or career or anything. Accumulation. Yes, all sorts of things. So the third fear is fear of insanity. Our self-image was formed at a very young age, so it's very closely connected to our parents, our family, our tribe, our society. So if we lose their approval or feel like we're out of step with any of those people, then we feel like we've gone in the wrong direction, or that's our fear. And it is kind of similar to the fear of abandonment, but we fear, again, a kind of aloneness and a kind of isolation. So this is why we find schizophrenics, homeless people, drug users, for example, why they can feel so frightening sometimes. And how we can avoid them sometimes like as though we're going to catch it, as though it's contagious. The way insanity is usually defined is whether you're normal. Well, define normal. I mean, it's it's impossible but basically the more extreme the behavior becomes the more insane people seem but they're closer to awakening often than the middle that's just kind of sitting there at least they're taking some kind of risk or pushing the envelope in some way to reach beyond this narrow band so the difference between whether you become insane or whether you become awakened is actually very simple it's whether or not you have parami it's whether or not you have patience and kindness and compassion for others is your insurance policy. That's right. That's a nice course description. Paramedes As insurance. are eternal insurance. <laughs> so this fear of insanity can also arise during powerful meditation experiences, especially if they're new to us or we don't quite understand what's happening or don't have a strong base, a strong foundation and essentially a feeling of loss of control. This is why we're such proponents of having a teacher, having a sangha, because they can provide that support and that guidance and also the foundation practices, because they do work. They do keep us grounded. The fourth one is the fear of being evil, being a bad person or being evil in some fashion. There was a TV show back in the 60s or 50s called The Shadow. Anyway, the, the line of the opening of the show would always be, only the shadow knows. So when it comes to the ego, the shadow are those parts of your psyche that are taboo. They have been pressed out of service because they were just too dangerous to own. They're usually about sex or they're usually about power or control. But most often, they're all most, of the above. All of the above, right? But they have to do with self-image again. So your tribe demands that you meet a certain self-image. The tribe demands you fit in in a certain range. If you don't do that, then your counterculture, or you're mentally ill, or you're deviant, or there's something wrong with you. And you see this in movies again and again and again, especially horror movies, where the good couple always are saved from the monster and the people who get eaten by the monster are killed by the monster. Always the people are a little weird, a little different because in monster movies, it's always yeah, the people who are kind of exploring true. who gets done in first. 
and it's the good little neighbors who get rescued from the vampire or whoever, right? Because in monster movies, evil, the monster represents a sin. So the sin is the taboo aspect of our culture. So this is really hard to talk about, especially now, because a large part of political correctness is an attempt to bury the shadow. Underneath the very good thing about political correctness, not discriminating, there's also a very hidden part, an unintentional consequence, of burying the shadow deeper. Very repressing. And that's not very helpful because in meditation or in the process of liberation, you must go through the valley of the shadow of death. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. So these are about instinctual needs. They're about repressed needs. So you have these desires. You have these instincts. And if society says they're good, no problem. And if society says they're bad, they go into the shadow. And because they're in the shadow, they have power over your consciousness because of their repression and suppression. And whatever I have to repress and whatever I have to suppress is the evil monster waiting for me. And then we dump it on other people. It's definitely not me, so it must be you. Yes, exactly. Right? We dump it on women or we dump it on men. Or Fill in the blank. We dump it on the generation. So this is the next terror you have to meet is this kind of repressed parts of your consciousness. And that takes time and energy and confidence. And you do that with your sangha and with your teachers to go through it step by step, nice and easy. The challenges can also help with this. Anyway, these are all characteristics of our shadow. That's right. So we need to integrate the shadow so that it doesn't sneak up on us and bite us when we're least expecting it. And also so it doesn't do damage to other people because we do project our shadow onto other people and then dislike them for it. I dislike you because you're like me and I'm in denial. And it does happen on a racial and national level. And of course that gets very dangerous and tragic. So to integrate our shadow, it's an inside job. You know, we each have to do it for ourselves. And this doesn't mean necessarily acting out what happens in our shadow. So fear not. If you're having some like crazy fantasies, you don't have to do them. You can if you want, but you don't have to. But it does entail acknowledging them. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, this is coming up in my mind and you know, just getting curious about them, like, oh, huh, why that? You know, why a person of that nationality? So in order to get comfortable with these shadow elements, both meditation and therapy are really essential. We do need people who have done this work before to help us know how to navigate these waters because it can be a little bit freaky. And just want to acknowledge that. And just, I encourage you to just think of all of the energy and the fears and the dread that gets freed up in this process by becoming comfortable with these things. And probably people who are here have had experience with this when, you know, someone is clearly upset and it's like, I've got to confide in someone and I'm really afraid you'll think I'm a bad person, but they tell you some what's to them a deep and dark secret and if you've been doing some shadow work you're like oh fine and and just the sense of relief for that person is really instantaneous so oh, you don't you know you're not going to judge me i'm not crazy i'm not evil yeah. i'm just kind of unexperienced yes we hope you enjoyed this episode Please rate and review Dharma If You Dare on your favorite podcast app to help more people find and benefit from these teachings. 
And don't forget to subscribe to get episodes and bonus content sent directly to your device. Have you checked out our Patreon page yet? By becoming a micro-patron, you can help us upgrade our equipment, expand our production bandwidth, and grow our listening audience. This also gives us a chance to connect with our most enthusiastic listeners with monthly updates and extended cuts of recordings. You can learn more and participate at patreon.com slash planetdharma. See you next time, and may all our efforts benefit all beings.